Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata. Ah, welcome here in the Sports Zone. We got you for the next three hours. We'll be taking some of your calls, 800-321-0710, and lamenting everything uh, about the New York Mets for a little while here. And then eventually we can start looking ahead to Sam Darnold uh, making his Jets debut. You got a big preseason next week, which will be fun. But uh, the Games next week? Next Friday? Yeah. Against the Falcons, Jets, right? Falcons, baby. We're going to have to put something on that. We're going to have to make that interesting. I'm ready. Yeah, I, yeah, I have no problem with that. I've I, I have confidence in the Jets when it's preseason. Um, During the year, I don't have as much. Yeah, yeah I can understand that. Uh, I'd be curious to see the percentage of plays Darnold plays. It's going to be an intriguing game to watch. I mean, everything's intriguing now with the Jets moving forward. Yeah, and uh, the the Mets last night, of course, uh, played a, a football like it felt like a preseason <laughs> game by the end of it, right? I mean, you just throw the position player in the pitch for a little bit, and uh, a twenty-five to four loss yesterday for the Nationals. I, let me just get your perspective on that when you. When you see the most lopsided loss in the history of the franchise, are you are you able to chuckle it off, or were you? It, no. Is there something left to be angry about? Yeah, no. Even I, afterwards, I, I think it is angry. I mean, if you're a real fan who cares about this team and you invest your time and emotion and passion and energy in rooting for this ball club for X amount of years, I I, I think that. There are times where, oh, okay, it's funny, position player pitches, whatever. I don't think that last night's game was one that anybody should be making fun of because I think it was just the cherry on top of an embarrassing year to get completely annihilated and embarrassed again. The manager's an embarrassment. The players are an embarrassment. I mean, the whole thing has been embarrassing. So, no, I, I didn't find much fun in, in that loss last night. Was, no. I, was I off on that? No, I, I was the same <laughs> way. I didn't think I had any anger left uh, right. for this team. And, and I know when I came on after the game last night, I didn't shout. I, you know, I'm not going to uh, expel that kind of emotional energy on the team at this point. But it's just completely embarrassing. They become a laughing stock again. And now nationally. It was bad enough that they're a laughing stock locally. Now it's a national story. Yeah. I think to Grom and what's happening in his starts, I think that's something that should be picked up nationally because, and that's a phenomenon, that they cannot win with the best pitcher in baseball, the best ERA in all of baseball, and they're 8-13 and And his starts, and it's only gotten worse as the season has gone along. And maybe twenty-five to four is what it's going to take for you know people to realize what a a mess that part of the team is. The one thing that's been a positive for the Mets this year is Degrom, and even that has been tinged uh, and stained by the inability to hit behind him or, or defend one of his leads. They, they they can't win a game. You know it's weird. I was looking at the at the end of the month. I add up still on the schedule, even though it's an embarrassment. I should have just ripped it up. Uh, you know, probably a month and a half ago. But I add up the win totals for both the Mets and the Yanks for each month. Do you realize the Mets for three months of the four so far this year are a five hundred team? They finished this last month. Now I have not been locked in. Watch it's, it's been over. Okay, you get to ten under. It's over. The Mets were five hundred. In July. And in the first two mm-hmm. months of the year, obviously they were great in the first month and then bad in the second month. They were, if you add the first, not the first, but if you add three of the four months so far this year, the Mets are a 500 team and five and 21, I believe, in June. Now, June was which gets, Yeah, which gets you to where you are. Now, again, May was bad too after the hot start, but the fact that they were even playing 500 ball in July and still you watch them, as you mentioned, they can't win a DeGrom start. They're minor leaguers left and right all over the ball ball field. It just shows you how awful this team is. I mean, any decent team 
would not have been as bad as they are record-wise. This is, I mean, they're on pace to lose 93 games. It's it's awful. And even at the trade deadline yesterday, they punted it. They didn't want to make the big decision about what direction they're going to go. So it seems that there will be a new head of baseball operations uh, at some point in the fall. And they they didn't make a decision one way or the other, right? They but just kind of kick it the can down the road uh, in terms of what they're looking to do. Them, they only traded off two pieces. Uh, the fan in me, the irrational fan in me, says, "What are you doing? Make a move! You can't stand Pat. Get rid of some of these pitchers. Create a balance." But then logically, you think, "Okay, well, do you want these guys who aren't going to be here making the decisions in the off season? Do you want them to rush and make a move?" Now, so I mean, I think logically about it, it does make sense to just wait till the off season and let the guy that you hire make those type moves. Well, then what happens today and and last night to some degree, they decide, oh, we love this pitcher, we're gonna stick around. They give up twenty five runs, one, and then two. Stephen Matz only gets two outs, complains of a dead arm after the game, which well, might rise half at an eyebrow, but it's okay. It's a normal thing guys go through, and now today. You hear he's got tightness in his forearm. Right. And then tomorrow you hear he's going to be shut down for the year with Tommy John surgery. I mean, and, and, and that's not just a Mets thing. Right. That is legitimately, if someone's going to have Tommy John, that's always the first thing you hear right, is tightness in the forearm. So, you know, that it doesn't mean that that's necessarily where this is going. And, and he had tests today. And I guess we'll find out tomorrow what exactly that led to. But Matt's is one of these guys they're making a decision on. And if they're holding on hope that they could be competitive next year. And now all of a sudden, Cespedes is compromised next year, and potentially Matt's as well. Boy, I, you know that decision just became a, a lot more clear as to whether or not they're actually going to be able to compete next year. And the Matt's one to me was the it's the final sign that you need to realize, okay, it's time to blow it up. Forget the 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 past blueprint. It is time for a complete change. And the idea of building, I'm, I'm so, so sick of hearing this, build around the starters. No, no. They need to build a baseball team. Forget about building around anything. The Yankees aren't building around anything. They just build a great baseball team year in, year out. That's what the Mets need to do. So you can't rely on Cespedes. I'm not relying on Jay Bruce. Now, if somebody comes back and, you know, uh, produces and, you know, gives you something, fine, you take it. But you can't count on guys who can't be counted on, and Matt's is a prime example of that. How many years, Pete, are we going to sit here talking about the potential of mm-hmm. Matt's, and maybe this is the year, maybe this is the year. Well, you know what? He's been more, he's been healthier this year than he's ever been in his career, and he's been okay, and now this. So you can't rely on Matt's. How could you... Po- they could do better than Matt's for a third starter. I mean, same thing with Wheeler. Now, if Wheeler continues this, fine, but is he predictable? No. They have no predictability with these starters, other than the fact that they're unpredictable and inconsistent. And that's the nature of the position in a lot of ways. Guys get hurt. Uh, generally, you get worse when you're a pitcher over the course of your career. And you, know, you try to hold on for as long as you can. But physically, it's going to wear down on you. And we have seen that with a lot of these Mets pitchers, obviously, over the years. And you think about Matt Harvey and what he's become as uh, he's in Cincinnati with an ERA over five. But I, I guess the bigger overall question and probably what we'll spend more time uh, over the next two hours doing rather than you know looking at the... You know, the, the, the smaller problems, the micro problems with the Mets is, is to zoom out a little bit. Mets fans are frustrated, irate, all these things over the course of the year, and, and you have a losing season, that's going to be part of it. But I'm starting to feel like there's not much hope that 
things are going to change in the n- n- relatively near well, future. Well, how is it? And and my question would be, is there someone that you'd want to hear from or, or something you'd want to hear that would give you confidence that the Mets know what they're doing and can resuscitate this thing in the the relatively near term. Yeah, I think that they need to hire a general manager who is going to evaluate everything from top to bottom, and I want that general manager to come in here and say, look, this is not acceptable. We need to bring in good baseball players and field a competitive professional baseball team, which is something they have not done. They could give you the stats and the numbers and this and that, and this is how it should play out, but I'm sick and tired of seeing them play the game the way that they've played it for too many years what kind of gm do you envision it's a great question because i mean you know me i'm an old school guy but now that's not the way of the game and i don't know if a you know what are you gonna get another saber metrics guy who's gonna come in here and you know i'm not sure it's gonna fly right? i don't think that it will right like a young analytics based person like let's say what milwaukee has done right uh, with a young general manager i can't imagine a young guy first time gm coming into this team with the expectations to win right now in the city of new york with a ravenous fan base and given anybody any hope because this person now, this is where all the hope is lying for the Mets because you don't hear from ownership and, and whatever plan they might have in mind. And the fans don't trust ownership. I mean, yes. And the front office right now, those guys could say whatever they want. We don't know if they're going to be here in a, a few months or exactly what their role is going to be. And Mickey Calloway, you know, oh, I think fans are, oh. are, are over, you know, hearing anything from him as far as giving you some faith in the future. So basically everything is on whoever this new head of baseball operations is going to be that comes in. Think about the pressure that's going to be on that person. If you have a 30-year-old whiz kid analytics guy... It's not going to work. That's not going to work. And, and, you know, look at what Mickey Calloway has dealt with as kind of the new age manager, and it hasn't flown here in New York. So how do you find, like, short of Theo Epstein, is right. there somebody that would rally Mets fans and give you faith that the Mets are finally in good hands and have the ability to make smart decisions, whether that means rebuilding or finding a way to gun through and be competitive soon. You know, it's funny because you need a guy like Sandy Alderson, right? A guy who comes in with pedigree that you yep. can trust and say, okay, well, at least he's a veteran of this. He knows what he's doing. Let me ask you, how about Omar? Now, I know you don't like the way he deals with the media. I mean, Omar doesn't like the way that he deals with the media, but would that be a guy that you would trust if they did, in fact, name him the GM? I don't think that he would generate the kind of optimism that you would need to have a... That's fair. I'm just, is, I'm throwing it out there because I think it's a possibility. Because he's been the GM before, and we saw his successes, and we also saw his failures. I I don't know that you can do a whole lot better. You're not going to get you know, a guy who's won a bunch of World Series as a, G, as a GM. You know, Maybe like a Ben Charrington. I've seen his name around. Won a World Series with the Red Sox in 2013. That was kind of a shotgun rebuild that the Mets could look at and say, hey, that's what we want to try to do here. Um, I, In my opinion, Omar would not excite me to the degree that I would need. But I think that's a fair question for callers. Would would you be ex- enticed and excited if Omar Minaya became the guy and had that kind well, of power? I, I think it might be a possibility. I mean, I think it's a possibility. I, I don't think there's... I think in some way, shape, or form, if they hire, let's say they hire a young guy that you're talking about, you know, one of those 30-year-old guys, yeah. I think Omar's going to be here and Omar's going to be 
I could see that as a major influence. Yeah, well, he 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 could be international scouting, and I, based on some of what I've read, I'm not even sure that Omar is interested in being a general manager again. I, I think he's happy. I think he being a little to... bit more behind the scenes right. in scouting, and that's what he really loves and enjoys. That's what he's so good at. Uh, so yes, I, I could see Omar having a role, but again. There's so much being put on this, whoever this new GM is going to be. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, what, what do we imagine? What, what can it be? It's not going to be Theo. That would be perfect. But what, what would you want? What's going to give you faith that they're in the right hands? Well, I think, yeah, I think that you bring a great question. I I think it's got to be somebody who's experienced, somebody that's proven, somebody that you can trust, not a newbie. I mean, it's as simple as that. Enough with the newbies. They need somebody that they can trust to build this thing consistently the right way. That's a a big picture question we could tackle here. 800-321-0710, the number. Uh, There's a lot of other things we could do too. Homer Flores. Yeah, can rough, we please get into that? I r- need to vent more. Day, uh, and did not get dealt uh, at the deadline here. Uh, I thought Mickey Callaway, something he said post game, but a, a certain player's lack of hustle today was was interesting. Oh, I didn't we'll hear dive that. into that. And, you know, just the, the national side of things. And then I want to hit the Yankees, too. Sonny Gray, another awful performance there in the Bronx, and he's booed off the field. Big smile on his face he as he stinks. was heading off. He's, uh, he's terrible. So we got a lot to do. 800-321-0710, the number. It's the Sports Zone. Pete McCarthy, Sal Licata with you on this Wednesday night on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone. Here's Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata. That's some, uh, some big sports news out there. What yeah. you got, Sal? Uh, let me just get the exact. I'm following this here on Twitter as it breaks. Adam Schefter tweeted, Urban Meyer going to be placed on paid administrative leave. This is now for, I guess they're looking into an investigation here uh, with Urban Meyer. I don't, I don't Is cover-up the wrong word to use where he, he kind of denied having any awareness to a domestic uh, issue. Yeah, with one of his assistant coaches. Right, and then apparently I was reading one report, his wife was texting the victim in support, and now Urban saying he had no idea about this. So mm-hmm. either way, it's ongoing, an investigation, but Ohio State announces that Meyer will be on administrative leave. Offensive coordinator Ryan Day is going to serve as the acting head coach. Practice, I guess, is uh, set to take place on Friday. Wow, so they already have an acting head coach, which I guess it doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to be a long-term situation situation for Meyer, but the fact that they, they have someone, this isn't like a week on the shelf, figure it out and, and go from there. Yeah, you think, right? No, it's, uh, I mean, I'm sure that this was thought about, yes. and Meyer released a statement, um, you know, he thinks that uh, a leave during this inquiry will facilitate its completion. This allows the team to conduct training camp with minimal distraction. I eagerly look forward to the resolution of this matter. That is from Urban Meyer. Um, again, the university conducting an investigation into these allegations, uh, Ryan Day, as we mentioned, going to serve as the acting head coach of the football team. Paid administrative leave for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Well, uh, and again, uh, stemming from an assistant coach he had that uh, had domestic violence charges back in 2009 when he was at Florida, and Urban was well aware of that. Then there was another issue more recently, I believe it was 2014 or so, and Urban Meyer said he didn't know anything about that recently at Big Ten Media Day. And now these so text look, messages have been right. uh, dug up. So basically going to get him online, right? I mean, that's what it would be if he's covering it up or saying he doesn't know anything about it. Well, it becomes that question, right? What's worse, you have uh, a domestic abuser around college kids, uh, you know, up on your football team, and 
or is it or is it lying and the actual cover up of it, which apparently yeah, he at least lied right, about but, it at the media day, it would seem. So so the right thing to do would be if you know about this, you have to report it and then the coach would be fired. So he's basically Or looking, fire the coach. It's Urban Meyer. He has the ability to fire the coach. Well, right, exactly. He could do it himself. Yeah. He, he, I mean, right. I would assume he's called all the shots there. So him looking the other way, ignoring this, potentially, we don't know, it's allegations, they're mm-hmm. looking into it, that will that will cost him in the long, long run if it's proven that he knew about it. Potentially. Uh, 800 We're talking some Mets here. Uh, again, 800 uh, I was asking you know, for Mets fans to, to have something to feel good about, that, to feel like the Mets are moving in the right direction or have a, a plan. And we haven't heard anything like that recently from the Mets. But this new GM, uh, if they do go out and hire from outside the organization, that that's the person that you're looking towards right now. He doesn't exist, and I'm, I'm kind of what would work for Mets fans. What would you want to see in that spot? Maybe is it uh, Omar Minai or John Ricco or J.P. Ricciardi, and you know one of the three that are, are running things at the moment. So we can grab some calls here. Let's start with uh, Frank in Flushing. Uh, who you got for us, Frank? Buck Showalter. Well, as GM, you want Buck that's to run right. everything? Well, time out before you go pulling me down. <laughs> who built the Arizona Diamondbacks? Buck Showalter. Mm-hmm. I think Buck would be interesting. I think Buck is a good name and a, the good, the right kind of guy in New York. Uh, New York fans, baseball fans, have respect for Buck Showalter. What he has done, it would seem the Orioles are blowing things up. Does he want to wait all of that out? Uh, he hasn't no, been a general manager before, but so he knows his baseball. Is up. Yeah, I, I think Buck's an interesting be name. Available, yeah. But the only other problem we have is you got the man that it makes everybody a marionette. Wilpon, is he going to give control to the man that's running the team? That's the case. Well, a guy like Buck Showalter is not coming here unless he has say. I mean, it's as simple as that. But the question then becomes, I mean, do you want Buck to manage Frank, or you just want him to to run the team? Mm -hmm. I think Buck's an interesting name. Thanks for the call, Frank. That's a good good suggestion. Because I I know he hasn't done it, right? right, That's my point. He's, He's a respected baseball man. He can fit both sides of things as far as the analytics and also you know being an old school baseball guy uh and he's someone that's been in public before because this isn't just about someone who's going to make the right moves and this is kind of why I was setting up that first segment this has to be someone that Mets fans can believe in and I think it has to be someone they've heard of before and has some respect and some credibility when he walks in the door. I don't think there's a long list of names that would have that kind of cachet, and I think Buck Showalter makes a lot of sense with the aspect of it that I'm talking well, about. Well, why not have Buck then be the manager and you could hire whatever GM you want and obviously they're all going to be working together on it. You just don't have it where it's the GM has a puppet manager. You have it where Buck has equal say of what's going on with all the moves because I do know that Buck Showalter knows how to build a winner. I mean, mm-hmm. he's done that. Yes. It's as simple as that. He did it with the Yankees, did it with the Diamondbacks, uh, Texas. He's done it with Baltimore. I mean, Buck knows what he's doing as far as a manager. Anywhere he goes, they win. I mean, simple as that. Uh, let's go to Brian in South River. Uh, who you got, Brian? Hey, Pete South. Love your show, man. Thanks, Brian. Uh, yeah, hey, listen, that, that guy Frank brought up a great name in, in Showalter. I don't know if I'd want him as a GM because he doesn't have the experience. Um, but, uh, yeah, and as Pal just mentioned, I think it would be great to have a, a guy like Showalter in there uh, working in conjunction with the, G- with the GM. But, you know, what sexy GM is out there? I mean, you know, I, I, and you, you mentioned Omar. I, I wouldn't have a problem with Omar stepping back into that role if he wanted it. Uh, but I, I want to say one other thing, too. 
I'm a big Giant fan as well. And after last season, you know, I thought we were going to blow it up, maybe move on to another quarterback. I got to tell you, man, I love what – now, again, the jury's still out. Who knows? Maybe I haven't had another bad year. But I love what the Giants did. And hopefully – Maybe the Mets can pull something like that instead of blowing up the whole team because I don't want to wait for you know five years for a Well, rebuild. you love what the Giants did now, but if you see it during the regular season and Eli stinks again, are you going to love it then? And Sam Darnold's tearing I, I, it up. I, you're, you're 100% right. And, and you know, I just want to tell you guys another thing. You might find it sad or amusing. My wife's a huge uh, Mets fan, a Giants fan like myself. When the Mets were 12-2, and two, we go down to Camden Yards a lot for Royal games and stuff as well, and she said, oh, we got to go to the Oriole Mets series. You know, we're going to the World Series this year. All right, then. So, needless to say, we spent a fortune, got some great seats for the Mets Oriole two-game series coming up. Yeah, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, you know, at least love good food. <laughs> well, and enjoy. Yeah, you got the food. You got Utah Street there. It's a beautiful ballpark. Great park. <laughs> Outside of that. And some crab cakes. <laughs> Make a weekend oh, of it. Oh, my goodness. Well, him and his bi- uh, wife both could be happy. DeGrom pitches a gem if he's scheduled, and the Orioles will win. So everybody gets uh, gets a little. Gary in Newark, uh, what, what do you think about Omar potentially taking over the GM spot again? Uh, definitely a wrong move. Uh, Omar, every, you know, Omar's been around. Omar's 60-plus years old. It's a young man's game, and it's a young man's game from the top down. I mean, I, can't, I don't know well enough, you know, who's out there and what the talent is, but I'm sure there are a lot of young hotshots out there, you know, maybe Theo's assistant or some of the other guys that the Mets should bring in here and just and just start it, you know, fresh and young from the top. Yeah, I don't uh, know if I trust that nothing. in New York. I, I, I don't know if I like it's that It's a tough idea. job for a first-time or young GM, and I understand a lot of what you're saying here, Gary, but... This team will I mean, be expected, other, I think, to win right away. Worked. The other way hasn't worked. To, the other way hasn't worked to this point. And it's you know, like I said, it's a young, young, smart man's mm-hmm. game, and it's not it's not old reach drives. Even even Buck Showalter, everybody speaks well about him, but he hasn't won anything in ten years. You know, he's a great manager. Oh, but, that's not. What do you mean? The, he built the Orioles up to where they were in the playoffs a few years ago. I mean, okay, was, wasn't it even yes, last year? A, were they there last year? year? Was that the Jimenez? Uh, was that two years ago? I think it was two years ago. Okay, Last yeah. year was Yankees Twins, and they. All oh, right, card. okay, right. So two years ago. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 in favor of a young guy. I'm not a young guy, but I'm in favor of a young guy. <laughs> All right. Well, th- thanks, Gary. <laughs> well, so Gary, right. Gary's <laughs> taking himself out of the running uh, for the Mets GM, but uh, you know, I, I hate to just break it down in terms of a young guy versus an old guy, or eliminate Omar because he's going to be sixty in November. Uh, you know, I. I I don't think that's necessarily what it's about. We know the Mets need a different approach in terms of how they're going to build this team. And even if it's done analytically, it's still, you know, you got to be more athletic. You know, there's got to be more of a focus on defense. You see the things that have gone wrong over the last couple of years that this team's got to fix. You know, maybe I'm trying to think about your question because there's not that guy seemingly out there, the GM. Maybe then it takes to hire a manager with great pedigree, let's say Girardi or Showalter, who you know wouldn't come here unless they had the right guy ahead of them mm-hmm. or being the GM so where they could work together and know what it takes to build the winner because no manager, Joe Girardi or Buck Showalter is not coming here if they don't believe that they could win or if they don't believe that they would have enough say and give their input on how to win because they know how to do it. So maybe that's the answer to where you give the fans a little something there. Okay, we're going with this guy who's a known winner and we hire, you know, ex-GM, young up and coming, uh, young up and comer and then you pair the two of them together. 800-321-0710, the number. We're continue taking some calls on this. Also, uh, Mickey Calloway today. Uh, Jose Batista didn't run out of ball. I, I thought it was very interesting what 
Callaway said after the game about it and unfortunately kind of shows a lot of what has gone wrong uh, for this Mets team. And, and hey, you end I up having the that. games that you have the, the last couple of days. Yeah, I haven't heard that yet. I'm maybe like, where's the soundbite? Yeah, okay. maybe it just stuck out to me, but okay. I, I noticed it. Uh, so that's coming up. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy, Sal Licata on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. Now more of the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata. All right, so let's get into what uh, I was talking about today's game, uh, a 5-3 loss for the Mets uh, against the Washington Nationals. So, uh, Jose Batista, generally, I- I've been extremely happy. I've enjoyed watching him uh, play every day in this Mets team. A lot of different positions, and listen, everybody's going to have a moment, but it's going to be uh, under a microscope when it is a team that lost 25-4 to yesterday, and there is a thought that you know this team maybe is... you know given up. I know this is something that, that fans feel when uh, you see the kind of loss that they experienced yesterday. So it's an interesting play today where Jose Batista struck out in the seventh inning. Now, on the radio call, um, you know, Josh thought that maybe as Batista was swinging, it hit Batista. I didn't hmm. see any evidence of that on TV. And then the TV call was, well, Batista didn't run it out because he swung and missed. The ball went to the backstop, and Batista just stood there in the batter's box, took like a step towards first base, and then uh, yeah. appeared to say, screw it, and just walked back to the dugout and gave himself up. By the time he realized it was a drop third strike and went to the backstop, it was too late, and he just figured out. Hey, well, he still could have turned it around and forced the throw. Well, I'm saying that's what he, that's what it looked like. Yeah. He, by the time he realized, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to beat it out anyway, so whatever. So this was Callaway when he was asked about it after the game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you got to run. You know, I think he knows it. Uh, he he didn't realize where the ball went. I think he thought it was down at the feet. And by the time the that he realized it, he thought the catch was there. I'm sure. Uh, my opinion, yes, he's got to run. Right, Mickey Callaway said that right away. End it right there. That's it. He's got to run. He's got to run. That's it. You don't have to give him an excuse, a Batista reason why he didn't go in that spot. This isn't a kid that you're protecting. Uh, it's August 1st. This team is all about setting a culture, right? And this is just one of those examples. It's very easy for everybody to point to and say, well, where's the effort in this spot? And you're watching bad defense and a lot of the problems that the Mets have, of course. But this is one of those controllables, something that you could do. You run it out to first base. And the guys on the SNY broadcast were hard on him, basically yes. saying that, look, this is what happens when you have a manager who doesn't say anything about it all year long and it just continues to happen. I mean, it can't. You're right. There should not be an excuse there. You think Terry Collins would have handled it that way? He I don't would, know. He would I have, mean, this happened under Terry, too. Yeah, but he handled it a little bit differently. And I'm sure, And now, look, maybe Callaway behind closed doors got into him and doesn't want to get into it with the media. But it continues to happen. They just don't play the game the right way. I mean, it's just it's simple as that. They don't play the game hard. They don't play it the right way. How about, it's fascinating, the series against the Nationals, right? Because neither team was really in a great place coming into this series. And the Mets, obviously, are in a, a far worse place as far as the standings go. But the Nationals, there was talk of... Uh, potentially moving Bryce Harper uh, the, the night before this series, and ultimately the, the Nationals decided to hold on. They did trade Brandon Kinsler, uh, supposedly for being a bit of a squeaky wheel and, mm-hmm. and complaining about some of the bullpen usage uh, publicly in the past. So they send him packing. And then Sean Kelly gives up the home run to Austin Jackson in the 25-4 to win for the Nationals, throws his glove down, 
and they designated him for assignment That's today. Right. And he's been relatively good for them. He's got an ERA of about three and a half on the season. Makes me think, though, there's more to it. Yes. And you saw Rizzo, he was probably another one of those guys with Kinsler where maybe he was having some issues there. It's exactly true. And yes. Rizzo, why, has there news come out on well, that? Well, there was a, I saw a Wall Street Journal article where Jared Diamond was interviewing Max Scherzer about mm-hmm. DHs and, and how it affects pitcher usage. And Kinsler, as well as... Uh, Kelly. Kelly interjected themselves is the way the diamond put it into the conversation and talked about you know getting um, th- they get brought up in the bullpen they have to throw and then they're sat down then they have to throw again and sit down and that it's bad for their physical health over the course of a long season if you got to get up and down that much before you ultimately get into a game yeah, dry like, humping exactly don't like to <laughs> Exactly. I gave the long uh, yeah, answer so for it. it. Make sure humping. everybody's in, you know? Not um, everyone knows the lingo. I get yelled at when I start talking about dry, dry humping on the air. So, Rizzo, yeah. Rizzo basically <laughs> said, you're either in or you're in the way. And yep. see ya. So it was not... The the slamming of the glove, acting like a little leaguer and childish from Sean Kelly was the last straw. But the Nationals, they have a lot of stuff going on there. I think they're still going to win the division. I do too. I thought it was the right decision for them to keep it together, and I think I think Murphy could be a big part of it over the next two months. He hasn't been healthy, and he still he looks terrible defensively. He's obviously, um, you know, dealing with the the issues of that microfracture surgery, but the guy can hit, and he's hitting seven in that lineup right now. We saw him what uh, driving, uh, you know, sixty runs yesterday. I, I think Murph will pick it up over the next couple of months. That team will figure it out. He will be the Mets' first baseman next year. <sighs> It's going to happen. I'm telling you, whether you like it or not, I think fans are going to love it. It's At least at first base, that's a position yeah. that makes sense yeah, I for think Murph. You can handle first. I, look, I, t- I take it. He's a great hitter. You know me. We, we always known that. I'm not a huge Murphy fan, uh, and I know after the 2015 postseason, everything changed. Uh, you, you take his bat in a second. He could play first base. But you have. It's How a, many first basemen in the system now? You have it's Alonzo's Alonzo, uh, potentially Dom Smith, and I'm sure we'll see him over the next couple months. Yohannes Cespedes might have to change positions. Jay Bruce might have to change positions. You know, How are you bringing in a first baseman? You know, I never thought Murphy was bad at third. I always thought that was his best position, but obviously Wright was mm-hmm. there, and you never wanted to you know, commit Murphy there. Who knows, though, now, you know, three years older, the knee issues. I, I'm just telling you, I think it's one way that the – I guarantee you, I don't know this, I'm just saying it, ownership going to try to win one with the fan base, that's the easiest way to do it. He's not going to command a lot of money. He's The fans love him. Good hitter. They'll they'll sign Murphy and find a place for him. Unless uh, Daniel doesn't want to come back. Uh, yeah, and, and that's a possibility. But I, I'm not going to whine about it. If it, if it happens, it, it's a good thing. Better players on the team. But it's not what this team desperately needs. No, I know. This I'm team just... needs athleticism. It needs youth. The opposite. It needs up-the-middle yeah. players. <laughs> it, it does not... It, it, they're not screaming out right now for 33-year-old coming off knee surgery, Daniel Murphy. You want to make the Met fans happy? Sign Murphy, put him in third, let Wilmer Flores play every day at first, and hire Wally Backman, and that's it. <laughs> End of story. There you go. go. You got it done. Yeah, Everybody's happy now. Wilmer Flores is atrocious, by the way. I mean, come on. I, I can't watch. Pete, somebody's got to tell me. I mean, anybody who's watched this guy play baseball, how could you think he's good at it? How could you think he's good at it? I thought it was telling that he didn't get moved at the deadline. Nobody wants him. He stinks. That's why. He has really no role for the Mets here going forward. He's He's in the way. He's a roadblock. We talked about how clogged first base is. I think he's a luxury item as a right-handed power bat off the bench uh, that you can hide at a couple of different positions. But 
he is not he's not what the Mets need. And first base of position, they gotta find out about Dom Smith once and for all over the next month and a half. At some point you'd like to see them call up Alonzo in September and take a peek at what he can do if you're gonna commit to him being your long term first baseman this offseason. And for Wilmer, where do you play him? What are you going to do with him from here on out? He was a guy that I felt they needed to trade prior to the deadline. And the fact that they didn't tells me that there probably wasn't a whole lot of interest. Unless they don't know what they're doing. But, I mean, we would both. I think it's probably a combination. Maybe they don't know what they're doing and there wasn't any interest. The the idea would be, well, what are you going to get back for Wilmer Flores? Well, that should tell you, Met fans, that he has no value. He's not any good. Why would you want to look at him? He can't even scoop a ball at first base. He's atrocious. That would, He doesn't have a position, and he doesn't hit well enough to, to warrant being a DH in the American League. He will not be in the major leagues long after the Mets finally decide to part ways with him. He loves being a Mets, Sal. Yeah, and that's it. Honestly, that's it. He's terrible. I, I can't take it anymore. It is the... Ex- he cost them the game today. Now, maybe they were going to lose anyway, but that's a 3-2 ball game until Wilmer Flores happens in the eighth inning on three different plays. That's the difference between winning and losing. For years, they just neglect to have guys who know what they're doing. I want a first baseman who's actually played first base for the majority of his career. A guy who's actually played center field to play center field next year. Like, Is it too much to ask to have regular guys who... Usually, position? usually you can move a shortstop and they pick up other positions relatively easily. Yeah, right. That is not well, he's the not case a shortstop. With, I mean, uh, that is. With, well, originally he was. Yeah, no. Yeah. All right, let's squeeze in one call here. Gino in Brooklyn. What's up, Gino? What's going on, boys? Gino, how are you? Yeah. All right, well, I'm not renewing my season tickets next year. This, this team is a joke. I got – this is what I got caught up in tomorrow now. I could either – Lose the money for the tickets, or I could go watch Jason Vargas pitch. And <laughs> I've never been waterboarded before, but I'm going to assume that going to that start tomorrow is is going to be. Let me ask you this, Gino what What would need to happen? What would the Mets need to do between now and uh, Valentine's Day next year that would convince you to keep your tickets? Can Can you be swayed? No, I cannot be swayed. Manny uh, Machado, that wouldn't they, do it for they you. Swayed me this year. No, that wouldn't do it for me. No, I, I need. I'll go game by game right now because they'll get Manny Machado. He'll uh, get hurt or be. It's it's ridiculous. Beat Sal. Let, let me ask you a question. They they leave Vargas on the team. They send Oswald down. Oswald's twenty four years old. He's finally starting to show signs of pitching good, and they they demote him so Vargas could pitch because they're so. Yeah, that they gave this guy money that they have to have him in the rotation. Even though the verdict is out on him, he's a scrub. A, oh, worse than a scrub. And you see him laughing last night with Reyes? I I thought that was, I don't mind if DeGrom wants to crack a smile or like kind of hide it behind his name. Jason Vargas watching Jose Reyes get lit up and laughing. Hey, look, Jason Vargas has been there before. Hey, he's laughing because maybe Reyes is the only worse guy than him out there. He should not be smiling at anything this year as abysmal as he's been. I can't. That bothered me. He dropped his ERA. It's at, uh, what, what is it now? Eight? Eight, three, six or something? I don't know. It's, uh, it's still, yes, it's, it's well over eight on August 1st uh, is still where Vargas is at at this point. But the idea of smiling during a game like last night, now Sonny Gray is in it with the Yankees fans for smiling yesterday. Today. Today, I'm yeah. sorry, uh, when he walked off the mound. Is, is that what we've cut? You can't, 
you know, smile if something goes Sonny wrong. Sonny Gray's getting you. lit up. He's walking off the mound. I mean, are you kidding me? We'll hit it later. 800 <laughs> Sports Zone, Pete McCarthy, Sal Licata on the Voice of New York, 710-WOR. Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata. I got a guy for you, Sal. Okay. And this is what we've been doing uh, with the trade deadline over and, and Mets fans feeling so frustrated about what's happening right now. How are you going to get that hope back? Who can you put your trust in uh, with the Mets right now? And I don't think there's anybody there at the moment that Mets fans can rally around. That's where we're talking about, you know, who potentially could become the future general manager for the Mets and, you know, try to find somebody to get the fan base at least a little excited. I want to find out what Mets fans are interested in, but I'll give you a guy. Uh, someone who has a background in analytics, someone who has been a general manager in a large market before. Somebody who has familiarity with how the Mets operate and working under the Wilpons. But he's in football right now. <laughs> and that's Paul DePodesta. Now, DePodesta, think about it. The Mets really haven't made a good move with this roster since DePodesta left. Right. Like, how, how impactful was he? Was he the brains of the operation of what the Mets were doing as they were building it up in 13, 14, 15? Uh, would he want to leave the Browns, which I guess is an open question, and and they had a change in their front office. Yeah. As you noted to me, Sal, as John Dorsey has taken over there, so does Podesta have the same role that he had when it was more of an analytic front office there in Cleveland? Probably not, you would think. Now, you you don't like analytic stuff, and this isn't that old-school baseball guy. This is the other direction to say a Buck Showalter, but would Paul Podesta be okay with you? He would. I loved when you brought it up. I love the name instantly because there's something about him that I trust. As you mentioned, he has great experience. I think he's a good combination. Now, the question will be if ownership went to him and said, we want you to be our guy, would he take on that challenge? I feel like he might want to take on that challenge. Uh, and, you know, remember, he's the guy who was a big Terry Collins backer, right? He wanted Terry Collins to be the manager, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, he did. Didn't he have him in his system in uh, L.A.? What was the deal with that? I, but I believe D. Podesta was the one who wanted Collins to manage the ball club, which shows you that he likes that old-school style a little bit still. So that, to me, would be a plus. I just I, I like it. I think that that's a good one. I, I think if they could hire D. Podesta back to be in charge of things, plus you know he was close with Alderson, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I like that. You think I, it's it is it not far enough away from Sandy to no, I don't, have you know Mets fans be pleased with with the direction or you know can you can you sell it to some degree if the Mets are selling it we're just talking about it as hey this is a guy who helped build the 2015 team he left and a lot has gone wrong since then and that maybe he's the the missing ingredient of late yeah maybe I mean maybe that's true and maybe the more you think about it uh you know over analytics and stuff like that but I. Omar's still going to be with the organization, mm-hmm. so I think that there's going to be a balance regardless. I think Deep Podesta is a guy who, if given free reign, has the potential to be a Theo-type GM. Now, I know that's shooting for the stars, obviously, but I think he has that potential there. And if you say you sell me this, Deep Podesta and Girardi or Showalter or whatever, I don't know, something like that, I would love that. I think that he's a guy... I'd rather have him than Sherrington, to be honest with yes, you. Yes, I agree. Yeah, so I, I, mean, I think it's an interesting name. I like it. And if not, Deep Podesta, Jonah Hill? 
<laughs> oh, kind of played yeah. a deep Podesta like character in in Moneyball. Yeah. Uh, 800 We'll grab a couple more names here, and then I want to get into Sonny Gray and some of the Mets smiles in the dugout last night when Jose Reyes was on the mound. Uh, George in Brooklyn is next. Hey, George. Hey, uh, guys, I was thinking, how about uh, the guy who beat, built the Phillies, uh, all the guys on the Phillies, Ruben Amaro Jr., he's right there at first base, coaching first. Yeah, I don't know. That he didn't really build it. Pat Gillick built it. Amaro decided to hold on to it too long. Oh, okay. Because uh, I know that he was there for, uh, after Gillick, he was there for a number of years. Yeah. So I thought he was the one who got a Hosma, uh, not a Hos, uh, Halliday. He made some aggressive yeah. moves, uh, Amaro did, and, and yeah, he might have drafted some of the you know early guys that came up for the Phillies, but it, it didn't end well there in Philadelphia. The contract to Ryan Howard was a disaster for the Phillies and left them, what they end up having four straight losing seasons until they popped out of it this year, maybe more than that? I'll take Gillick. I'll take it tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, <that's... laughs> yeah. uh, all right, let's go to Jeff in the Bronx. Who you got, Jeff? Hey Sal, hey Pete, how you guys doing this evening? All right, Jeff. Hey, a couple guys I would I would go out and get, and then a, a quick question if you allow me to. Two guys, one active and one that's not active. I don't know if you could convince them to, but maybe you can convince Theo. You know the Cubs are in a little bit of a mess. You Darvish looks like that's a bad deal. I think the Cubs you know, are fine. Pitchers are getting. I'm sorry. I, you're not getting Theo. I'm just, maybe he wants to rebuild another team like he did with the Red Sox and the Cubs. How, how many statues does this guy need made of him uh, outside of stadiums? <laughs> the, the other guy, and I think this guy would be perfect. He's good with the media. Dan O'Dowd. He's on the baseball network. Yeah. He's 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 always like talking to people about you know how to break down a trade and what he would need for this guy. He he had to deal with the difficult situation in Colorado with the thin air. You know, kind of similar. You know, not exactly similar here, but has to deal with the Yankees in the backyard. I think you know speaks very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, understands both the analytics. Might be a little too analytical for some, but still isn't like this new young kid off the block, thirty year old, twenty five year old guy. I think he'd be perfect. He's a name. Yeah, I don't like it. Doesn't excite me though. No, I, I don't want necessarily a retread guy. With all due respect to O'Dowd. I, well, you want someone with experience, though, right? We we talked about that. Yeah, but uh, but a guy whose experience has been to the top, uh, you the guy that you could trust, not a retread guy. I mean, do you want Steve Phillips back? He he's Steve Phillips is great. We just had him on the other night. I mean, he does radio show. He's a great analyst. Talks well. Yeah. Could they bring you inside a trade. Do you want him back? I mean, uh, I, that does nothing for me. Yeah, I, I would say though, Colorado is such a unique place to try to win and Dan O'Dowd tried a lot of different things to combat the thin air and it had some success there with their run to the World Series I believe he was the GM at the time that they did that um he'd be a name that you know you'd bring in an interview but I don't think that he is you know at the level of say Buck Showalter Paul DePodesta some of the other names we've brought up tonight where I think Mets fans would say all right now we have a real baseball guy someone to to get excited about leading the way here. See, I wouldn't mind the Mets going out to Buck Showalter and saying, you know, we want you. Do you want to be our manager? Yeah. Do you want to be a general manager? And then you could have input on who we hire as mm-hmm. a general manager if, in fact, you want. You know, Tom Coughlin-type role would be fine with me, the way Coughlin is in Jacksonville. That's a good example. I could do that for Buck. Or, honestly, i put him in uniform. I don't have a problem with that either. Yeah. But that's the way that I would go about getting Buck Showalter because I do trust him to build a winner. Guess what? Because he's done it. He's done it several times over with several different organizations. And maybe, uh, yeah, as a relationship with Manny Machado. 
Machado? Yeah, well, that's... Who knows? Maybe that would help a little bit. Forgot about that. Yeah, hopefully it's a good one. Still takes the dollars, but uh, yeah, hopefully it is a good one. Uh, Rob and Clifton, who you got, Rob? Hey, guys. So I don't have specific names, but here's the thing. The Mets have gigantic structural problems all the way down into the minor leagues. Training methods, scouting, you know, this, that, and the other. Yeah, a lot's got to be fixed. They've got to get somebody from a winning organization, right? I don't know about it. I don't have any names personally, but it's got to be someone from the Braves or more recently the Cubs or the Cardinals who are perennially good except for this year, right? Or the Giants or the Dodgers. Somebody who's with a winning organization who does it right decade after decade so they can get out of this mess because this idea that the Major League roster is going to even compete next year is a joke. I don't see them. I agree with I wouldn't call it a, a joke necessarily, but I don't see them being competitive next year. And yes, they need someone who knows how to build the organization top to bottom. There's a lot that has to be fixed here with the Mets. And that's why, you know, again, for Showalter, even though he hasn't made trades directly a whole lot in the past, he is someone that has incredible attention to detail that I think up and down the organization, you'd have a philosophy and, and something to, you know, buy into there. Um, and that's what's uh, attractive to me about him, even if he hasn't been a GM before. But yes, I mean, this is a heck of an undertaking, whoever it is that's going to take over the baseball the, side of things yeah, for the Mets. The roster, as it looks right now, can't compete next year, but you don't know what changes are going to be made. I can't give up next year. I've seen teams mm. turn it around. They do have two top-of-the-rotation studs yeah. that every team would love to start building with those two guys. So they're going to have to have a combination of a lot of different things. You know, Do you hate Conforto being on the roster next year, or do you believe in him? Being a, I believe in Conforto. Okay, so and he's looked like he started to come around a little bit. I, I so think let's... the target date is twenty twenty, though. I, I there's too many holes to go out and fix in one off season. They try to fill five holes this past off season, and you see yeah, they garbage. spread themselves too thin. And you can pick up, you know, one or two or three pieces maybe that are key. They need an entire bullpen. They need a second baseman. They need a catcher. They probably need a center fielder. And there's a lot that they have to go out and get. To me, it's too much to do in one offseason. Yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, maybe, you, look, you're looking at it, I, I think they need starters, too. I would not, I don't trust Stephen Matz. I'm done with Matz. That's it. it it's time, instead of relying on these guys to do something they've never done, it's time to cut bait and find somebody who can actually get the job done. And he's not it. So whether you want to move Lugo to the starting rotation, I, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do this. Yeah, maybe I should give up on contending next year, but they they have to go out there and at least show. Look, even if they you know make a creative trade and sign a couple of big free agents, maybe that's not enough. But I think that combined with what they have, I still think could could get it done. You just have to get creative and spend. You mentioned Matt's. So let's take a Matt's call here. Stephen Brooklyn, what do you think about Stephen? Okay, before I talk about Matt, let me quickly bring up uh, some of the points you made. Uh, um, I'm going to be very brief on each one. Number one, J.P. Ricciardi had a very, very rough reign in the, with the Toronto Blue Jays. By the final year, people were bringing signs to the stadium to fire him. Uh, Paul D. Podesta was part of Sandy Alderson's group in San Diego. They completely destroyed the San Diego Padres organization on the same level they destroyed the Mets minor league organization. Ruben Amaro, it's very unusual for a GM to take a first-base coaching job, but as a trivia point, he's a recurring character on the Goldbergs because as a, his childhood friend was the producer and creator, Adam Goldberg. Now, Stephen Matz. Well, who do you want, Steve? Is there anybody that excites you? I mean, you're bashing everybody we've mentioned. Was there anybody you like? Let me tell you, Buck Showalter, he would never, ever get along with Jeff Wilpon. 
But look, quick, so, well, so wait a second. What does that have to do with anything? We're talking about the guy who's got pedigree of winning. I mean, okay, listen, I have limited time, so let me quickly talk about Stephen Matz. Stephen, what Matz, do you mean you have limited time? You called us. You, you don't dictate. Yeah, I know, the, but you guys zoom through, and then you have a five minute discussion after every call. But then you have the, uh, the news break. So let me quickly, quickly mention Stephen Matz. Stephen Matz in the 2015 season, the beginning of the season, season Kevin Curran wrote numerous articles. Change speeds on the fastball, phenomenal curve. He cut. He reaches 97 on the fastball. At the end of the 2015 season, he was the number one power lefty in Major League Baseball. Suddenly, this guy can't reach 95 anymore, and no one has addressed the, that situation. What happened to the two to three miles on his fastball? It happens as you you get older. Guys lose velocity. He's it's not that old. Well, he had he had surgery for bone spurs. It's not as if he's been healthy since he was atop that list. Look at Matt Harvey. He had surgery at TJ and Thoracic Allen. He's hitting 98. And it took how long? Harvey's not throwing 98 consistently. He touched 98, and then he loses it by the fourth inning. Hasn't passed 95 since 2016. Mm -hmm. And he still has the ability to be effective at that level, but look... it, it looks like there might be something wrong with Mads here when you're hearing uh, tightness in his left forearm. So someone would just ask one of the riders, what happened? Where's that two to three miles extra on the fistball? Not, no one is adjusted, not a coach, not the manager, nobody. Well, do you, do you think they have an answer for what happened, Steve? Based on the way I've seen them handle, uh, the organization has handled Daniel Murphy, Justin Turner, and uh, Matt Harvey, no. Well, but well, what do you mean handle? How they've handled Matt Harvey? I mean, it, the player personnel decisions that have been made over the last. Well, year. how do they how do they mishandle Matt Harvey exactly, Steve? In the Matt Harvey case, I just don't think they gave him the time. I know that what he, I, he was a head case. He had a lot of problems, but I think if they would have let him work it out a few a few months a little more, they would have had a better choice chance of. of Possibly trading him. What would the Reds get from at the deadline, Steve? Don't give up on the Reds. They still have the waiver wire yet. What? Well, they didn't get anything from at the deadline. All right, maybe they trade him. You think they're going to get any value back? I mean, give me if a break. Two, if he has two or three more good starts, he stinks. Good. Steve, Matt Harvey stinks. It's over. So he doesn't have any value I think, anymore. I think you're misjudging it. You're no, not I'm not misjudging it. I'm not misjudging it. You are. We've watched it here. Matt Harvey's terrible. He gave up four homers two starts ago. You guys are out of your minds. Yeah, yeah, we're out of our minds. I know. Matt Harvey's great. I know. Get, get, Steve, get, get real, will you? I know. Yeah. Just, Justin Turner was a great player here, too. I mean, give me a break, will you? I mean, we're out of our minds. They should have held Harvey a little bit longer. I bet you Steve thinks Darno and Ploiecki should get another year, too. And I bet you Steve loves Wilmer Flores because he cried and because he loves being a Met. Get out of here. We're out of our mind. Yeah, be more patient with Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey couldn't have hurt his value any further. Than he did with the match. You want Alderson to keep him and hold out hope that he's going to get it turned around? The guy wouldn't go down to the minor leagues. They tried to keep him. He wouldn't accept a minor league assignment. So they sent him packing like they should have. And guess what? He's been terrible in Cincinnati, regardless of what you read on Twitter or what you hear on any highlight show. He's a five-inning pitcher, and the majority of the time he gets bombarded. Now he's stuck in Cincinnati on a last-place team. Well, I mean, he didn't go break. anywhere at the deadline. That was stunning. But really, is it stunning? I mean, he's got no. People want to talk about, oh, the Yankees are going to get in. Yeah. Oh, a team needs pitching. Well, if all these teams need starters, how come Matt Harvey couldn't be moved? And let's see him clear waivers and go somewhere else. Let's see where it is. Let's see the value that Matt Harvey has when he gets back. 800 uh, We'll hit Sonny Gray, uh, another one of those struggling starting pitchers, and uh, continue talking some Mets here as we have you until 9 o'clock. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy, Salicata on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone. Here's Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata. This is a day game after night game today, Sal. 
So I, I need a little little pick me up this afternoon. Yeah. I don't usually go to the you know coffee shop or whatever, but you I, seem extra caffeined up. Yeah. Oh yeah, look at you. Yeah, I got it going. The iced coffee, baby. Starbucks. It works. Yeah, it it did the trick. It's getting me going. So. Uh, I, I've always heard about this, like the name issues that people have where they put like weird yeah. names in your cup or whatever. And, you know, my name's like relatively simple. Like right. sometimes the T gets lost and it just says P or B or really? something like that. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that happens. Right. But uh, I, I never saw this one. So uh, they got, you know, Pete right, kind of, but it's spelled P E E T, <laughs> like Pete Moss. <laughs> Keisha. I guess I can't say anything. Oh, my goodness. That is funny. Kamiya Kabaya. You know, I've never... Um, you can't have any issues. Sal has got to be the easiest no, name in the world. No. How do you screw up not. Sal? Believe it or not, even somebody today, I was on hold for something. I had a actually theft issue uh, today. Somebody hacked my eBay account, and then it was a big PayPal charge. So oh. I had to waste two hours calling eBay, PayPal, and then my bank. Did they buy anything good on eBay? It was like a ceiling fan, like $600. Oh, wow. Six, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, hopefully that That's gets resolved. That's fun, though. What? Ceiling fan? Well, or? I think it probably was some fraudulent thing to yeah. where they charged it, and then, I don't know. No, right. you left your wallet around. That's the problem. Yeah, exactly. I let Ray and uh, producer Mark order some food, and they they stole it. Anyway, so you would call, and you would think there's no issues with Sal. So I'm going over it. Yeah, uh, what's your name? Sal. Okay, uh, okay, Al. Uh, like, they always, um. everybody always misses the S. Not everybody, but majority people do. But do you realize I've never purchased Starbucks coffee in my life? I, I just don't drink coffee. Well, huh? you never had like the frappuccino or never. anything over there. Never. You, I mean, you never walked in. No, I've I've walked in before because you know people go. You take a walk with them. I've had tea, I think, from there maybe once or twice in my life. But other than that, people spend a ridiculous amount of money on this stuff oh, every they, day, and they're in there multiple times a day. Sometimes. I mean, you budget that. I don't know about you if you're doing that, but some people. I mean, I very rarely have coffee. Okay, some people have to budget that into their. I mean, monthly bills. They mm-hmm. go there all all the time. Well, you got producer Ray. Did you know that uh, apparently that's a, a thing? Your name being spelt wrong is done actually on purpose. Oh no! They're supposedly because they want you to take a picture of it and com- quote complain on Twitter. Hmm. Oh look, they messed it up, well, and they get like free Twitter pub for it. Well, we Not just talked idea. about it on the radio, so yeah, yeah. Good, good on them. Not a bad idea. Oh man, I fell right in the hole. Now I feel now I feel bad. You've been. Yeah, it's, not, it's not like you're. It's not like you. They're doing anything really bad. Just yeah. they misspelled it, and you're making fun of them, and everybody laughs, and yeah. all of a sudden Starbucks gets more mentions. Ray, are no, you a Starbucks I've been guy? Had. You no, not at all. Though. I don't drink coffee. Oh, okay, all right. Just the diet cokes, diet Pepsi's, <laughs> diet everything. Hey, between me and certain people in the radio biz, we we keep them in business. If he could get an IV of diet coke or coke or whatever, he would. I mean, Ray, he ruined it. Like the machine now is out of diet coke five days in a row now. He hoards them. He he's miserable today too. You can tell he's, he's got the shakes. Uh, he's pale. I, I had to go I'm to worried. McDonald's just to get a soda. <laughs> Great, it's on sale. Dollar, you get a big soda. There you go. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. The number. Uh, speaking of, of laughing in the face of defeat, uh, the Mets yesterday, of course, had the uh, the awful loss against the Nationals. They bring in Jose Reyes and. There's some laughter in the Mets dugout last night when that happened. I, I think that's why you bring in the position player personally, Sal, is to try to add some levity to it. If you can get a strikeout or two, hey, at least you had something at the end of the day to feel good about. It backfired last night when he's given up six runs and it becomes the worst loss in franchise history. But I, I didn't mind guys getting a chuckle out of it in the dugout, even when they were getting killed. Uh, and then hmm. Sonny Gray today, right? It's kind of similar. Uh, he gets pounded uh, by the Orioles. He's had a real rough time pitching at home. He's booed he off the field. 
and had a smile on his face, and Sonny Gray had to answer for that after the game. It's a frustrating spot to be in, and um, that's kind of it's kind of how I how I ha- how I handle situations. Kind of how I try to tell myself to, to, to move on and 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 not think about it, not get not not let it get to you. Just just move on and and try to look forward. Are you aware that some fans could take that as a, a sign that you're not taking it seriously? And are you concerned about that? I'm not because you can go around and ask ask the 24 other guys in this clubhouse who I am, what kind of person I am, what I'm about, and uh, and, and they'll tell you. So I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. Hmm. Look, Sonny Gray has been terrible for the Yankees since he's come here, and that's obviously the bigger issue here. But him... Smiling as he walked up the mountains, getting booed. He's not laughing at the fans. I mean, it looked more like maybe a nervous reaction as he is uh, reacting to it there. Do you have a problem with it? I do have a problem with it. It's because he's been terrible. I mean, you go two and two thirds, seven runs against the worst team in Major League Baseball. Yes, I'd rather have a Jack McDowell salute than Sonny Gray smiling. It, it, you can't see that. I get what you're saying. Sometimes you just, it's so bad, you just have to chuckle. I don't think that that was the case with Sonny Gray. And well, what I, do you think he's smiling at? Like, it's not like he's happy with his performance. Yeah. He's not, he's not smiling in that way. He's clearly, uh, you know, it's something within his own head. But there's no way anybody's walking off the field, head held high, smiling, whistling a tune after they're getting tuned up by the Orioles. You can hear him after the game. The guy cares. He wants to pitch well here. I, I just don't. I think certain guys are not cut out for this city, and I think he's one of them. I don't think he can handle it. And now I don't love Sonny Gray to begin with, wherever he pitches. But I do think he's a guy who will never, ever, ever have success here. So I just, yeah, I think it's in bad form. I mean, you're in the middle of a pennant race. You're playing, as I mentioned, the worst team in baseball with the Orioles. You're getting lit up. And if you want to smile in the dugout, I think that's bad enough. But coming off the field like that, I, I don't know. I, I've had a big problem with You know that. what, though? What do we always talk about professional athletes need to have? That short-term memory. Hey, you have a bad outing, you got to flush it, forget about it, and get that confidence back right away. And yet... I mean, it's like the high school sport mentality. You lose a game on the road, up oh, quiet bus. I don't want to hear anybody talking on this bus. Right. You got to soak in this, and you got to think about it for you know an hour as you get back. To, what's the point of that? If you're able to shake it off relatively quickly, it doesn't mean that you don't care. Why? Why is it that it, it has to be expressed that you are miserable? And I understand the fans feel that way, and they want the players to feel the same way. But that's not always the best way to get future. Production and to get back on the horse the next time you need it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe there's something to it. I'm just of the elk. I'd rather slam my glove, kick a Gatorade cooler, punch somebody. I mean, whatever, or punch something. Oh, so you want to go Kevin Brown and break your hand? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not saying that's the best way to handle it either. That's not the smartest thing. But smiling, I would think human nature, if you're a competitor, you know, we get on Stephen Matz a lot of the times for his body language, but Stephen Matz is not smiling out there. Maybe to a detriment, right? He's not having any fun, it looks like. Well, but he's tough on himself. But you see that. Exactly. Yes, that's, that's, that's what you, you know, he's from here. You That's, I don't know, that's kind of what this city is all about. You should be tough on yourself and smiling when you're getting destroyed like that. Well, it's not during the game. It's look, just walking off. Look, if you gave up a homer or had a rough inning, I could see you, like, looking up, smiling in, like, disbelief and just frustration. 
But this, to this degree, I don't think there's anything to be smiling about with that. I think Yankee fans are just looking for a reason to jump on this guy because he's been terrible. Yeah, and that's, that's really fair. what it's about. I think it's fair, too. But, but by smiling, you give somebody a reason to do that. And, uh, and, and you're right. It, it doesn't fit into the, the ethos of the city uh, to a degree. But, like, again, does, does it mean that he can't go out pitch no. effectively next time because he no. had that reaction? Does it say anything about him? Does it say he doesn't care? Does it say he's happy with his performance? I don't think it, it's true. Any of those things are true. I do think it shows you his mentality is not the proper one to be handling adversity in this city. That there's a fragility that yes. shows to and, that. And, and by the way, this is not the first thing. He's talked about it. Uh, I forget what the exact quote was. Maybe it was a couple of months ago. He was talking about... He sounded, well, I mean, maybe suicide is a little strong, but it was very depressing. Mm. Talk. He's like, oh, you know, I'm worthless or whatever. I think it was. I think we're the best team in baseball. I feel like we're the best team in baseball, except every fifth day yes, when I take them out. Something. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, dude, come on, lighten up a little bit. I mean, well, then he did today. That yeah, but it's different, right? I mean, this is that's not. You want to be hard on yourself, but not that hard, and you want to not take it too personally when you're bad, but you don't want to be smiling when you gave up seven runs in two and two-thirds against the Orioles. So you should have gone Jack Morris. Not Jack Morris. Um, Jack McDowell. Blackjack, yeah. Did Jack I say McDowell. Morris? Yeah, McDowell. Jack McDowell's salute was much better, I thought. Yes. Uh, 800-321-0710. We'll take some more uh, Mets GM calls coming up here. We've been talking about you know who would you want to see take over? Uh, someone in-house for the Mets? or out, Who would give you confidence that the Mets are, are moving in the right direction? Uh, we've been throwing out some some names tonight, some names that come up, Buck Showalter, Paul De Podesta. anybody else that uh, that was exciting for you, Sal? Mm. Obviously, J.P. Ricciardi, Ruben Amaro's name has come up. No, we mentioned Omar, Charrington. Yep. No, there's nobody that really stood out to me. But uh, also, yeah, even if you don't have a name, just what you're looking for in that GM. What what kind of guy would you want that's going to give you uh, some confidence in the franchise going forward? Again, get him, get him in 3, now. Get him in now because we're done with the Mets after tonight's show. <laughs> this is it. This sports zone is going to be just that—a sports zone with Yankees talk, with football. I can't handle the. I can't take it anymore, Pete. With this Mets stuff, let's get it finished tonight, can we? Well, next week we're going to have some fun because it'll be a couple of days before Sam Darnold's big debut. I'm That's looking forward to there. him. I'm I'm football this this year wait. football in this city is going to be very exciting. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy, Salicata on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R. Back in the W O R Sports Zone. Here's Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata. We say you take we take some calls here, Mister. I'm ready Licata. for it. I, I love it. All right, let's go. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten to get involved. Uh, looks like we've got a lot of Mets calls here. Joe in Austin, New York, starts us off. What's up, Joe? Oh, my God, you let me on the air. We did. Right. Oh, my God. Pete, I've called you, and you know this. I've called you for three or four years now. I've been a Mets fan since 1967. I have watched this ball club. What is this? 1851 years. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I spent... Don't laugh. Somebody's laughing. It's me. It's me, yeah. I spent $200 a couple of weeks ago to take my wife and my daughter to a game. We had nice seats, but they were face value. Did they win? Don't don't go there. (laughs) What do you got? All right. I'm fed up. Yes. fed up. We are, too. 
I'm fed up and I'm not going to do it anymore. Do what? Spend money to come see the team that I've loved for 50 years lose. I'm not going to do it. You're going to be a Yankee fan now, Joe? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's an option. No, it's not happening. What's going to What's gonna win you back, Joe? Is there anything that would win you back? A pennant. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a good one. A pennant. Joe, I give you credit hanging in there for 51 years. i got to be honest with you. I started to question myself this year. It's been I think about a lot 30. of people are. That's why I'm having this conversation about the GM because... It is. It's a fra- the fan base and the team have a. It feels like a fractured relationship, and maybe it's the nature of what we do. Happy Mets fans don't call in. I don't think there are many Happy Mets fans these days. Right. But I mean, there's a fracture there, and and how do you how do you mend it? And to me, I mean, if ownership's not going to take a leadership role of what's happening right now, and there's no indication that they would. Then your hope is this next GM that he is going to be somebody he or she that is going to win over the fan base and and lead and provide a plan a direction for fans to grab onto. Otherwise, we, I think a lot of people are questioning the nature of their fandom, and that never goes away. You're going to be a Mets fan. You're not switching to the Yankees realistically, except for you. If you if it were that easy. Seriously, if yeah, you could, well, you'd consider it. It just doesn't work it, like that. No, it's like it's like religion. I mean, it's something yeah. that maybe is inherited from a parent, right? Like even, even that may be easier to switch. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about, I'm not a big religious guy, yeah. but are you really that emotionally invested in that? Well, I, I mean, my fear would always be if, if I change teams, like I wouldn't enjoy it. Because I don't have that built up. Well, that's what I mean. You can't, that's what I mean. You can't do it. See, I, you could talk about I'm yeah, done with this yeah. team. You could. You know how many times I've said going. I'm done. Yeah. Well, that's different. You know how many times I've said I'm done. I can't take it anymore. Yeah. I can't take it anymore. I, I've said it probably every year since I've been on the air here. Certainly, you, it, it's in you. You're, you're yeah. a sports fan. You're in, Joe. You're not going anywhere. Fifty-one years now. You think you're getting out? It's worse than the mafia. You can't get out. You're in it. I mean, there's no way out of being a sports fan. You chose wrong. You took the yeah. Mets. You had to. You had 69, you had 86. That is it. I mean, you enjoy it. Live with that. That's it. What an amazing thing to own, right? Like, if you own a team, it's part of people's identities, especially a team that's been around for a while and a a city is passionate about this, especially about baseball. You hold the emotions and feelings of so many people. You can, and you could fail. And still, unlike any other business, People are have an emotional investment that is so deep to the team that you know it, it, it almost to some degree doesn't matter. Now everybody's got their breaking point, whatever it would be. But I I mean, how far down that. the road is that? How far down the line? I don't think it's far. I don't think if you're a legit sports fan, and for, it's not just the Mets. We're talking about legit sports fan, diehard, invested in it. I, I don't think that that's something you could give up. Now I will say this. The Knicks, and in the 90s, I was, the Knicks may have been my number one. I mean, mm-hmm. the they, rankings can change. I, yeah. I was, I mean, I was as into every possession. I don't care if it was regular season, I, I was into it. And a postseason, I lived and died with those teams. And now it's been about almost 20 years, right, since they've been relevant. I am not the same Knicks fan that I once was. So maybe it can over, but that's 20 years of ineptitude you're talking about. I don't think we're there yet with the Mets. But the fractured trust in 
maybe not giving it the best effort to prioritize winning every single year. That that's that's takes a, a toll. problem. That takes a toll, and and that's something that needs to be fixed. And and that's where I think their only chance to fix it is to hit a home run with this GM hire, right? And and then okay, so there's a baseball person that the fans trust. Well, besides Machado, that that goes a well, big way. Yeah, that would help. I mean, it alleviates one whole issue that the fans have. How many times have you gotten calls saying they don't spend money, they don't spend mm-hmm. money? Which I've fought them off. They have spent, they just haven't spent wisely. Well, that would be a big time investment. That would be the right investment. Uh, let's go to Walter and Yonkers. Uh, what's your uh, GM take here, Walter? Uh, I have two of them. <clears throat> Bring back Steve Phillips or Dan Duquette. Even if they don't want to be GMs, at least as consultants or something like that. What do you like about Dan Duquette? Well, he has experience. Oh, there's a lot of guys with experience. What do we, I mean, and Steve Phillips. You want Steve Phillips? I, I like Steve Phillips personally. You, uh, you wouldn't hire him to be the GM. But Dan Duquette's uh, an interesting name. He built. He signed Manny Ramirez in Boston, mm-hmm. uh, and in Baltimore, they've had some success over the years. They they had to blow it up this year and, and traded everybody away. Duquette's a, a baseball lifer. He's been around the game. He's aggressive. I like. Look, I like the aggressive. It's not a bad certain people. Name. Have, certain people have brought up. Names that have been aggressive. I think that that's better than the patience that Alderson and that regime has shown. Uh, I just, it's not the home run hire that we're looking for, I don't think. Let's go to Lou in Massapequa. Hey, Lou. Hey, how you doing, guys? All What's right. up, Lou? Um, well, I, you know, listen to you guys talk about could you switch teams? Uh, and there, I, I'm a diehard Mets fan. I despise the Yankees. There is absolutely no way I could ever root for the Yankees. And yeah, I had a friend who was a, a huge Mets fan. He says, "Do you do you love the Mets more than you hate the Yankees?" And I said, "It's pretty close." <laughs> it's, it's pretty. Close. I mean, that's part of it. And I'll, I'll just share one thing that, that I went through recently. I said this past uh, you know offseason, baseball offseason, if John Tavares leaves the Islanders, I'm done with the yeah. team. I'm going to become a fan of somebody else. And it's so hard to – I could never be a Rangers fan, right? Maybe I can root for the Devils and be a free agent for a little while and see what happens, whatever it is. And Tavares ends up leaving, and then I'm like – well, I like Lou Lamorello now, and they got Barry Trot, so I guess he'll stay with the Islanders. I'm a fraud Islander fan. But uh, it's hard. Like, even I was dead set. If you can't win with the number one pick, who is exactly what he needed to be, the franchise player, you allow him to leave via free agency, right, how the heck do you expect me to continue rooting for you when you have no chance of putting anything together? But, you know, they put together enough, and I, I get sucked back in. That's what I'm right saying. It, it's not something you can give up. Now, I will say that you can, in, in reference to my Knicks point earlier, you can care less about the team mm-hmm. as time goes on, but you can never root for another team. The not way the that, same way. Ne- never! Never! You could say, okay, well, I like this player. You know, say Parcells. I used to love Parcells as a coach, right? So I started rooting for the Jets a little bit. I was never a Jets fan, per se, but I liked him when he was with the Giants, and I liked him when he was with the Jets. You could pick a player and say, okay, well, I like this player, so you know, I'll root for this guy when he goes there, but you're not a, you're not a real fan yeah. of that team. It doesn't work like that. My wife is a Florida State alum. So I never really had a college football team. So we're we're dating and uh, you know we're living together. I'm like, all right, I'll jump in on Florida State. Sure, they win a championship like the first year. I'm I'm Look really watching you. all the yeah. games. Felt nothing yeah. when it happened. Yeah, nothing. I was like, I 
Even when one of my teams wins, theoretically, I, I get nothing <laughs> out of it. The because it's not one of my teams. The pain and suffering, and I've said this for a very long time, is what makes you need winning, that bad loss, right? The, all the pain and suffering is what makes the winning that much sweeter. The problem that you have is you have to taste victory at some point. You don't know if that's guaranteed. It's not with everybody. No. Look at the, look at the Red Sox for years. I mean, there were many people for years that never thought they'd see them win in their lifetime, and then you know they won. They've they've been winning ever since, right? Maybe that happens one day for the Mets, but it doesn't seem like that day is anytime soon. Hey, I'm a Mets, Jets, Islanders, Knicks guy. It's been 127 seasons. Since one of them won a championship. It's a lot of losing. 127. you got to go back to the 86 Mets. And so the really the only one that I've had is the um, Mets, Rangers, Knicks, Falcons. The mm-hmm. only one I've had is 94. The Rangers in 94. I mean, 86 Mets, yes, but, you know, it was seven years, six, seven years old. Right, 800 We'll take some calls, uh, mix up some Mets, fandom, uh, and what have you. It's the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy, Sal Licata, on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR.